teacher and each student. And then we pray for the morning worship service, our Lord, to follow, that it would bring honor and glory to you. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so for the last several weeks, we've been looking at different characters. <coughs> something in my throat also. Uh, different characters in the Bible. We looked at... Um, huh? Oh. We looked at um, Joseph and Mary and uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. But today we're going to kind of just talk about the... Uh, just what was taking place. So that's the title of the, of the Bible lesson this morning. It's just a season of peace. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about that and how it relates to the birth of our Savior as well as just our own personal lives as well. So on your handout, if you notice, I have just this opening paragraph. It talks about the, the, what's called or what was called the Pax Romana. And uh, that's Latin, as you see there, for peace. It was a time of peace. And a roughly a 200-year-long time span of Roman history, which was identified as a period in the golden age of increased and sustained Roman imperialism, relative peace and order, prosperous stability, hegemonial power, and regional expansion. So during this period of about two centuries, the Roman Empire achieved its greatest territorial extent in A.D. 117, and its population reached a maximum of up to 70 million people, which was around 33% of the world's population at that time. So the Pax Romana is said to have been a miracle because prior to it, there had never been peace for so many years in a given period of history. And so you notice on the lesson, I just put this map on there, the amount of territory um, that the Romans had conquered. And so this was kind of a forced peace. I'm sure not everybody was in agreement with regards to uh, the Romans and um, their authority over them. But notice uh, how far this territory extended, all the way to Spain and uh, portions of northern Africa over into the Middle East and up into portions of Europe. So I put this here just to kind of get us to think about this before we look at the scriptures and what was taking place and think about this. So um, for almost a hundred years after Jesus was born, ministered, crucified, risen, and ascending into heaven, for almost a hundred years after that, the Romans had this relative peace and they had spread out their empire in all of these directions. So you tell me, why would that be relevant to the spread of Christianity? You think about it. Because it was very important to the spread of Christianity. Why would you think that that would be important? Jim? Well, because travel, you could travel from place to place and it was all under the same government. So you wouldn't have a problem there. So if you were a missionary-like type person or whatever, this is part of the gospel. Right, the Romans, were they built extensive roads all throughout that territory. In fact, if you go to places, even today, if you go into Israel today, uh, for instance, you can see roads that the Romans have built. 
and other places in Europe, there are still places where the old cobblestone roads that they built are still there. And uh, you can go to places uh, today, see where the, the aqueducts that they built that for water. Uh, so they were, they were excellent builders. And the, some of these things are, are still around today. So, so that would lend itself as, as the apostles went out uh, to spread the gospel. Uh, it was, uh, there was a, a network, a highway. Uh, in fact, some of the cities that Paul went to were hubs where people would, uh, the, the highways that the Romans built, the trade routes, people would come, people would go. And in addition to that, well, what else when you think about that? So there's a, there's a highway system all throughout that part of the world. But what else? Because the Romans were in control. Yes? Yeah, I don't think the real persecution, uh, I mean, there was persecution, but heavier persecution would come a little bit later. Obviously, because we read about some of the persecution in the Bible. But, but um, so there is to an extent that that is true. But what else? It would have to do with the Roman authority. So if the Romans are in authority, to a degree, and there's relative peace, uh, while there was always a risk when you traveled, there would have been a, uh, because of the Romans and the Roman authority spread throughout, there would have been, a, it would have been somewhat, a little bit safer to travel, although you always ran into issues. Yes? Not in everyday work. Um, it just means coming, dominant, dominant power. Yeah, or a dominant power. I looked the word up myself this morning because I forgot what it meant. <laughs> right. <laughs> the dominant power. And that's what they were all through the world at that time. Anything else? So it was, it was very important, the entire Pax Romanus. And uh, I don't, I don't, there's nothing that happens in the world that happens by accident. Uh, this was, in my mind, this is all arranged by God. And so, if you notice on your handout, my first point of my lesson this morning, there is a peaceful moment that's taking place uh, in the world at this particular time. And in Galatians chapter 4, the Bible says this, When the fullness of time was come, and part of the fullness of time, there was a plan. There was a set plan. Uh, we talked a little bit about, um, uh, and I haven't really talked extensively about Simeon, and we'll see that in the future, some future lessons as we study these different men and women of the time of, of Christ's birth. But uh, he was looking for the consolation of Israel. We talked about Gabriel, the, um, the, the angel of the Lord that was used to make the announcements. And does anybody remember, we talked a little bit about this. When was the previous time that Gabriel was mentioned in the Bible? Because he's mentioned here in the New Testament but he's mentioned in the Old Testament. Anybody remember? Huh? In Daniel chapter 9. What did, yeah. yeah, you were wrong. Sorry. Dan, you're, you're usually right. So, all right. Daniel chapter 9, the great um, uh, prophecy that was given. And uh, the prophecy of when the Messiah would come. And so Gabriel brought that message. And here he is bringing all these messages. God brings all of this together. 
And so when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. On my first trip to Israel, I had the opportunity, uh, each time you go to Israel, each time I've gone to Israel, you go with other pastors. And so you go to different places and, and you're able to have an opportunity to preach. Like last time I was there uh, last year, but just a little bit, a little over a year ago, I preached on top of uh, Mount Carmel where uh, the prophets of Baal built the altar and Elijah called down fire from heaven. But the first time I went, one of the places I was able to preach was on the steps of the church of the nativity in Bethlehem. And uh, the church of the nativity is supposed to be, quote unquote, the place where Jesus was born. And you see, there's a lot of that in Israel. Supposedly this happened, supposedly that happened. And uh, so the church of the nativity is um, uh, run by the, the Catholics, the Arminians, and the Greeks. They all have a, a church there. And if you really want to stand online, uh, the first time there was not that many people there, we did this. You can go down these steps, and in the basement, there's this room, and probably about half the size of the front part of the auditorium, and there's supposedly a spot where they have made it like a shrine where Jesus was born. And people will stand online for hours and hours uh, because they think that this is a holy spot. This last trip, it was very busy, and our guide said, now, you can all stand, we can all stand online here for the next two or three hours to see this, or we can move on and see a lot of other things in these two or three hours. And none of us want to stand online and see the shrine. Uh, it's not that impressive. But some people, they're so uh, worked up about this that they, they really think it's, they're going to get some blessing out of it. So I'm telling you all this because the message that I preached there, I've actually preached it here, think about this moment that's taking place here. And I preached the message entitled Contrasts. Contrasts in settings, contrasts in strategy, and um, contrasts in uh, significance. And so the Romans, they, the Romans are in control. And the most important place in the world to most people at that time was not a little town of Bethlehem. It would have been in Rome. All the world looked to Rome, where the Caesar was. That's where all the attention of the world was. And yet the most significant place at that particular time wasn't Rome. The most significant place was in Bethlehem. And you think of Mary and Joseph traveling from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. And you think of them in that, in that manger. And you think of the palaces. I mean, if you read some of the descriptions of Caesar's palaces, they were gigantic. And uh, there, is Jesus, there is Mary and Joseph in a stable. What a contrast. And um, yet the most significant place wasn't Rome. The most significant place in the history of all mankind was right there in Bethlehem. And um, yet God brought all of this together uh, because that's what, that's what God does. And so you, have, and you go to a place like the Church of the Nativity and you just kind of got to look 
it's interesting to see the buildings, the architect, but you kind of got to look past all of that. It's kind of some of it's kind of sad to see how people are are so enamored with all of the pomp and ceremony that's there. And just like they were in the days when Jesus was born, Rome and Bethlehem. If someone had said, where, where would you like to take your vacation, Rome or Bethlehem? Nobody would have wanted to go to Bethlehem. So um, Jesus or God brings all of this together in a peaceful moment in, in history. And it's a peaceful moment here. Let's look at it again. The Bible says, And it came to pass in those days, for now the decree from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be taxed. So there's a census. That's what the taxing is here. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was the governor of Syria. They all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought first her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. Really, in many ways, it's just a peaceful setting. And uh, there they are. And there's Mary giving birth to the Christ child. And um, there is... Uh, there is all of the uh, excitement of the mother preparing and then the labor and then having experienced observing eight children born after it's done and the child is born. I mean, for Shelley and me, there was just, there's just an awesome peace that comes after it. As you, you look there at your child, and you, and you hold your child. It's quite amazing. But there's that peace. And there's certainly the peace for the mom, because the mom has to do all the labor uh, to give birth to the child. And there they are. It's a peaceful setting. And then the shepherds. It's a peaceful setting. There's in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock. And if you go to Israel today, you can still see shepherds out keeping watch over their flock. It's quite amazing. You could, you, I remember the first trip, we were driving up to Jerusalem, and they're off in the fields. You could see the shepherds, and they had fires going, and the sheep were right there. And the uh, same thing 2,000 years since. So it's a peaceful moment, and God brought that peaceful moment all together. And um, one of the things about Christmas and the Christmas season, it's a peaceful time. Even with all the hustle and the bustle that uh, people go through with regards to Christmas and, and, and everything, it's just, it's just, I don't know, there just seems to often be just that time of peace. I was reading in World War II, there was uh, actually, a, this, uh, this rarely happens, but a, or not World War II, in World War I, there was a peace during World War I where the Germans, and I think it was just the British, declared a 24-hour peace treaty. And uh, so, in fact, if I remember correctly from reading this, I think they exchanged gifts and they sang Christmas carols together. Now, the flip side of that is George Washington attacked the Hessians on Christmas Day during the Revolutionary War. So he took, 
he looked at it from a whole other perspective. He thought, well, these Hessians, they're probably celebrating Christmas, so let's just go ahead and attack them. And that's the famous crossing of the Delaware. You can see you're all very impressed with my knowledge of history here. <clears throat> so, a peace that only the Lord can give. The second point is the message was a peaceful message in verses 9 through 14. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. All throughout the account of the birth of Christ, the word fear is found. In fact, if you have your Bibles open, you can just go back to chapter number, chapter number 1 and verse 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And then over in chapter 1, in verse number 30, the Bible says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And you don't need to turn there, but if we went back to Matthew chapter 1, in verse 20, with Joseph, fear not, fear not, all throughout. Now, this, what was about to take place was, and what was taking place was astonishing for everybody. So there was that sense of fear. And yet, there as well as here, that we find the angel um, saying to them here um, in verse 9, they were sore afraid. In verse 10, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Stop being afraid. You know, there's a lot of things in life that people become fearful over. And. Um, there's a song that uh, I listen to every now and then that uh, talks about fear. And, and I like the song because the song is, Fear is a Liar. And uh, Adam's laughing because I'm a, I'm, a, I, I'm a Zach Williams fan. I like, if you've never heard Zach Williams, he's a gospel singer. I like him. And, and, and Adam always gives me a hard time. But I don't know why he gives me a hard time. He's a good guy. Not Adam, but Zach Williams. And, but he sings this song, and I've heard other people do it, called Fear is a Liar. And it just goes to these different things that fear does to you. And, uh, and fear, it can be paralyzing, right? If you've ever been afraid of something, different things that happen in our lives. And, um, and yet, whether we're talking about the birth of Christ and everything that went with it, or... Um, just life in general, the things that kind of creep in that, that can make us afraid. And yet, all throughout the Bible, not only in the account here, but all throughout the Scriptures, I just gave you a few examples on your handout. Psalm 56.3, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Hebrews 13.6, That we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. 1 John 4.18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love, it casteth out fear. So we find that in the birth of the, the account of the birth of our Savior, all throughout it. And um, you know, the scriptures can the scriptures ought to cause us to be confident in that when things in our lives make us afraid, that we can just rest in the Lord. And uh, He's the one that conquers fear. So, there's a message here of assurance. And all throughout the Scriptures, there's a message of assurance. 
And then there's a message of acceptance. Notice what it said again in verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. All people. Um, good tidings, the good news, the gospel. God in his love accepts all that come to Jesus Christ by faith. And I was thinking about that this morning. About about you and I, are we accepting of all people? All the people that come into our lives, there's an opportunity for us to share the gospel with them. And uh, different people, people who are different than us. Um, are we accepting of those people? Are we prepared to love them like Christ loved us, sent his son into the world? Look, Isaiah said this, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. The message of the gospel goes throughout the world. And today, <clears throat> with our 35 different missionaries that we support throughout the world in all different countries and all different nationalities and all different people groups, uh, the message, though, should be and is the same. That doesn't matter where you're from, what your background is, what you look like, God loves you. God cares for you. That's why he sent his son into the world. And that's a wonderful message. That's a peaceful message. You know, you hear these, I sometimes hear these songs. If you're from my generation, and I'm sure all of you that are, are younger have heard this song as well. But the songwriter John Lennon wrote a song years ago called Imagine. And I'm sure all of you have heard that song. It's been played multiple times. But what he was singing about and what the world is looking for is found in Jesus Christ. Everything that people are hoping for, that's found in Christ. A utopia, the world, different, there's different philosophies and ideologies that promise some utopia. What, but what Jesus is, is offering, that's what Jesus offers, a utopia, a place of peace and harmony for people place where people can love one another and care for one another. But that's not the nature of man, but that's why Jesus came. For all people, Isaiah 49, 6, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. That's you and me. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. The Gentiles, that, they, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Are we ready to be accepting of all those that walk through the doors of this church, all those we come into contact with. And then a message of anticipation. Well, let's read verses 13 and 15. So the Bible says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Well, if you have grandchildren or you have children, you know that Christmas is a time of anticipation. They're all excited about opening their gifts. And um, the shepherds were excited about getting to Bethlehem to see this this announcement that had been made, let's go, let's go. Later on, the wise men will travel. They were anticipating what they would find when they were following 
the instruction given to them. So there's this, there's this anticipation that people have um, with regards to Christmas and the Christmas season. And it's a wonderful anticipation. There's the anticipation of family coming home. My wife um, said to me just a few weeks ago, um, well, she said, how do you like it? And what she meant was, this is the first time in almost 40 years that just Shelly and I live alone in our house. And uh, we're empty nesters for the first time. How do you like it, she said. And I said, I like it. I like it. She said, you do? She said, I don't know if she was worried that I didn't, <laughs> but I said, no, it's, it's nice. I said, but don't get me wrong. I said, I'm really looking forward to all the kids coming home for Christmas and when they come in the summer. And I'm anticipating that. Maybe by the end of two weeks, I'll be anticipating that they're leaving as well. <clears throat> I'm anticipating that my daughter is going to have a baby in May. Now, my, I don't know if your mom told you this or not, but I anticipated so much that almost every night for dinner, I pray for you and the baby. And uh, I'm excited, just as I'm excited for all my grandchildren. And, uh, and, and, and all that's taking place, it's exciting. You anticipate that. Um, I know your mother is anticipating. She asked her, I hope I'm allowed to say this, but she asked her mom if she would be in the delivery room with her. I can tell you, my wife is really anticipating that. I don't know if afterwards you'll be, <laughs> she'll be telling you how it's done, you know. But it'll be exciting. <clears throat> exciting. But <clears throat> a message of anticipation. And here, laying, lying in the manger was the Christ child. And uh, Romans 1, 7, the, the, the three pieces that are found in Romans. Look on your handout. You know, it's a wonderful thing that there's peace from God. Romans, it should say Romans 1.7 on your handout. I think it, I think it, I don't know if it says just Romans chapter 1, but grace to you and peace from God. It said to all that is in Rome, grace to you and peace from God. True peace only comes from God. And then in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. You know, we're reminded this morning that before we accepted Christ as our Savior, that we did not have peace with God. We were at enmity with Him. But because His Son coming into the world, we have peace with Him. And now we can experience, lastly, the third peace, the peace of God. And uh, that's a wonderful peace. The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, it's a peaceful message. Message of insurance, acceptance, anticipation. That's what Christmas is about. And then, a peaceful meditation. Look in, in verse 15. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So the shepherds had to stop and think about this, this message. 
And uh, do you stop each day and just listen for the still small voice of God, what God is trying to say to you each day? You take that moment to just kind of get away and just to meditate on the things of God? Because the shepherds, they're given this message here. Or when you sit in church on Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whatever, do you, do you just sit and think, what are you trying to say to me today, Lord? How are you trying to speak to my heart? Um, don't, let, don't let just sitting under the teaching or preaching of God's Word just become a ritual. What are you trying to say to me? Because every time God's Word is opened, whether in a public setting or a private setting, God is trying to speak to you. And um, He's got something to say to you. And then we find after the shepherds go, the Bible says this, but Mary kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart. Just thinking of, think, put yourself in Mary's position. I mean, this is all of this is going to take place. She had to be, she must have thought on this over and over again. Uh, on your handout, every circumstance relative to her son's birth, Mary treasured up in her memory, and every new circumstance she weighed or compared with those which had already taken place in order to acquire the fullest information concerning the nature, nature and the mission of her son. And this would take place in Mary's life throughout her life. And in, in, later on in chapter number 2, uh, pick it up in verse 40. Look what it says here. The child grew. So now Jesus is a child. He waxed strong in spirit. He's filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. They, they, I'm not going to read all this, but they, they traveled to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. They can't, so they go, Jesus is 12 years old at this time. They go, and now they're leaving, they're on their way, and all of a sudden, on the way home, and Jesus isn't with them. And then, in, in uh, verse 48, it says, Oh, when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and thy mother, we sought thee sorrowing. Well, he had been with the, the religious leaders, and at 12 years old, he's sitting with the religious leaders and he's having a discussion with them about all the doctrinal matters of the day and of the Word of God. I mean, that kind of must have blown them away. And um, verse 50, And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. And here it is again. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. She just kept having to think about and pondering with regards to Jesus and, and, and his life and who he was going to, uh, what he was going to do and, and all that was going to be involved. And so God's trying to speak to our heart. Listen to what God's got for you to, to say to you. And um, Joshua said, The book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate on it day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. David said, I will meditate upon thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Timothy, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear. And so we have this peaceful meditation that's taking place. And uh, the Christmas season is just a good time to stop and think about the things of God. And then lastly, we're out of time. We finish up the Prince of Peace in verse 21. 
And when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Let him be the prince of your life. That's what he came into the world to be. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this morning and the opportunity just to spend a few moments and to contemplate these truths. We ask now that you'd bless the morning service. Let it bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.